Sunnybrook is a part of what is called the Independent Christian Church. Uh, that movement has the word in its name, independent, which means there are no denominational affiliations with it. Uh, over the last 20, 30 years, non-denominational churches have been on the rise in America with more and more people moving from traditional mainline or denominational churches into those. Uh, what's behind that and is that all good? Or are there some downsides to this way of doing church? Today in the podcast, I've got Ryan Vincent uh, and Jim Johnson sitting in with me. This is Drew Moss, and we're going to break down the good and the bad of non-denominational church structure. Okay, I'm about to ask both of you guys if you can name the most attended churches in America— but before I do that, I'm going to ask you something semi-related, but really pretty random. If you can name the most listened to songs from the year you graduated high school. Uh, so, that would be for you, Jim, what year? 1986. Okay, 1986. And for you, Ryan? 2004. Okay, so, the Jim, most listened give it, to top, songs? If you can name top three. I top can't. three. I don't okay, think I literally have a... But here's the problem. The problem is I love I still listen to yep. the music from the eighties. Yep. But I, I can't go that was eighty six or eighty five oh, yeah, or yeah, eighty seven yeah. or eighty. Um I do remember listening to Tears for Fears, Everyone Wants to Rule the World a lot my senior year. Dude, I'm not seeing it uh, I'm not seeing it on the list here. Really? Tears, I'm sure I'm sure it's down here. I gotta I gotta So is there anything from Madonna? Uh no, not this is a billboard. Yeah, 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 hot 100 yeah. singles of '86. Dang it! So uh, no, you probably. I, I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm, I'm like, fail. I don't think you listen to any of these. No, That's, I bet you. I'll bet you. I another. I, obviously, I think yeah, I'm going to know them all. Yeah, yeah. I bet you. I listen to them more than you than I want to admit. Okay. That's what friends are for. Uh, Dion what? and friends. Oh, that's what Dionne Warwick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gladys Knight. I did not like Elton that song. John. Did okay, not like that, that song. I was going to say, it didn't seem like a Jim Johnson that's song. That's what friends are for. Say You, Say Me. By Lionel Richie. There you go. That is the song uh, from the soundtrack White Nights. White Nights. Where, I have no um, idea what that they're, is. They're, they're dancers. It's Bolitnikov, the dancer. Okay. And he's trying to escape from the Soviet Union. And it's him and Gregory Hines. Gregory Hines <laughs> and Bolitnikov. None, none of those words. Yes. I didn't understand any of those words or names or anything. And on another episode, What I is would the like Soviet <laughs> Union? What is Bolitnikov? Yes. What is no, I thought that Blitnikoff was the best receiver in yeah, college football. Uh, yeah. uh, no, I think his name is it's, – it's he's a Russian dancer. I would know him to – anyway, and he and Gregory Hines are both tap dancers, except one's like a more of a ballerina. Are they called ballerinas? Yeah. The guys are? I, Ballet I, dancer? Ballerinos. Ballerinos. <laughs> anyway, and he's trying to escape from the Soviet Union, and they're in like East slash West Germany. It's called White Knight. So that's what, okay. that is the title, Say You, Say Me, is the title track from that movie. All right. So do I get any points for that? I got to sure, get yes, points for yes. that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I love these. I'm, I'm going to go I'm gonna go find that movie on Netflix. There's something that sounds amazing about that. This other one I have never even heard of, and I feel a little bit weird saying it. The third most listened to song in 1986, Billboard Top 100, I Miss You by Climax. Climax. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah yep. Yeah. Uh, never even heard of that yeah, group. No, never that even yep, heard no, that song. I know that one. I, I like know it. that one. Yep, yep. Sounds Kay. good. Mikhail Barishnikov. Mikhail Barishnikov. Yes, okay. Mikhail Barishnikov. Okay. Ryan, can you name the top three songs from 2004? 
I've been thinking this whole time. Uh, I most of the music I listened to would have been like mid nineties. Yep. Alt. Yep. Um, but I'm trying to think of what concerts my friends were going to in 2004. Incubus was really big. Dave Matthews Band was really big. Yep. Yep. Audio Slave was coming on really hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of these, but I don't know if you're that's thinking like, wrong genre. You're I in know. the wrong genre. Yeah, for that's all what I was gonna things. say. See, that's the I other think, thing. Yeah. Is it pop music? It's pop. Oh, yeah. It's pop. Uh, yeah. Okay. So is it? Is it like boy band type stuff? Close. I'm gonna give you okay. Two of them. Two of the top three. In fact, two of the top two were Usher. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Usher and Lil John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay. Um, and then this one, I don't think I know it. Burn by Usher. I was already oh, out of like. Yeah, that was more of like an R&B song. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, the next one is Alicia Keys. If I ain't got you. Oh, that was like early for her. Yeah, see, I don't even. This so is how Climax out of touch didn't I come am. back with another one Climax almost 20 did years not later? make it to the okay. top of the list in 2004, weirdly enough. Um, weirdly enough. You know enough, who else I was looked. really big? And it still is probably the wrong genre, but I remember people losing their minds over Dashboard Confessional in that Oh, yeah. In that that time. I do remember. That I do remember. You can play that. That's cool. we do, we're going to get copyright. Copyright. Oh. Laws sorry, she's sorry. On I, did not, I didn't just do something there. <laughs> sorry, Facebook. Sorry, Mark. Okay. Is that Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah, I don't know. I think he's, he's the one that controls. Is he the one that controls everything? To okay, can you name the top three most attended churches in America today? Yes. Not 1986. Yeah, no, not in 1986. <laughs> it was not my church. I'll tell you that much. Yep. Where I was. Um, I would say no. I mean, here's the here's one of the problems. Are they talking also um, digital campuses? Yeah, like digital. Because Life Church has like a hundred thousand members. I no, not that then. Okay. Um, I would guess Osteen's Church. Yep, there you go. Lakewood Church, fifty four thousand in attendance. Fifty two thousand in attendance each week. I'm, I'm going to take a shot at this. Is the is is Southeast on there? It's not actually. Okay. It's not. Um, um, Saddleback. Uh, no. I would have thought, but no, I don't. I don't think Saddleback. North Point, Andy's. North Point is third with Andy's thirty-eight thousand five. Okay, and then this other one, I've heard of this name, but I didn't know it. Church of the Highlands. Uh, it's is in Birmingham, Houston? Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama, oh. and it's also fifty-two thousand. It's actually, I think, multi-site to some degree. Okay, and I don't know if they're counting all that. Which Life Church has got to go up there then, if you're talking yeah. multi-site. If you go to Life Church's Wikipedia page, or like biggest churches by by total attendance, Life Church somehow gets to a hundred thousand by the yeah. by and the multi all the multi-site and, stuff, yeah. and all I think that stuff. Which makes sense. Wow. So who's the pastor at that last church? In- uh, it is something. Oh, gosh, I just saw it. I, I had it all up. I was looking at it. I don't know. You're gonna have. Would to, we know uh, the name? Uh, Church of the Highlands. Let's see if I can pull it up real quick. It was Chris Hodges no? founded the church. All that stuff. Yeah, it's like kind of stuck on the radar. But uh, the thing, mm-hmm. all the those three have in common, Life Church ish. Although it does have an affiliation to some degree, but all three of those churches are there, all non denominational churches. Wow! Mm-hmm. Um, and that is actually, as I started like looking through the, as I started looking through kind of lists <coughs> of mega churches and all that stuff, there are definitely some that have Baptist association. That seems to be the main yep. one if it's going yep. to be big is yep. Baptist mm-hmm. association. Uh, but but a lot of the largest churches in America and even even in parts of the world and stuff are non-denominational churches today. That's that's something that's been a big rise. That's one of the reasons I've even seen that they have a hard time tracking sometimes religious studies or affiliations in America is sometimes people are putting I was I just found this out. Some people 
some of the people who are putting nuns when they talk about the rise of the religious nuns, oh. some of those people are They're actually us. non-denominational. Oh. They're going, no, I'm not Baptist, I'm not Methodist, I'm, a nun. I'm not Presbyterian, I'm none. And we read um, none as I'm not affiliated with anything, yes. and they mean I'm not affiliated yes. with the denomination. Yes, huh. yeah. and that's not that's not all the nuns, but that's sure. some of what yep. that is, yep. which yep. is kind it's of interesting. interesting. So that's been a huge rise, and a lot of the biggest churches um, that we see around are non-denominational. A lot of, I know that for, uh, I get that question sometimes, uh, from college students when they find out about our campus ministry. Are you denominational? Or are, more importantly, are you non-denominational? That yep. seems to be something that they even they kind want. of want yep. in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And so that's been that's been a big thing. So we were talking a little bit about this just a few days ago in staff meeting, just uh, the rise of this, and not just the rise of this, but um, but some of the things that are actually really good about it some of the things not so much but actually you know one of the one of the things if you don't know Sunnybrook really well we're what's called an independent christian church or yep. from something called the restoration movement um which is really in a lot of ways founded in this idea of not having any denominational affiliation yeah we were non-denominational before non-denominational was cool mm-hmm. <laughs> we were before it was making profitable before, yeah, 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 before, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah before the mega church before before it was really kind of considered a good thing to be non-denominational <laughs> we were that uh, our movement was yeah. Yeah. frontier um, churches in kentucky yes yes yeah. which would have been the west coast at that yeah, time exactly yeah so real quick actually if you they will, called it the left coast the back left, then, i think i the think left, the, you the know right bank of the you Mississippi. know that part of kentucky well. <laughs> or i call it the left coast <laughs> so <laughs> um on the like so so talk for just a second jim i think yep. we've talked about this before in our pack podcast i'm sure we've talked about i know we talk about it in like our membership class a little bit but but for those listening describe kind of at least from our strain of movement where this idea of non-denominationalism came from yeah yeah so and i'll do this very very quickly so obviously um for a lot of the church history there was in essence kind of one church that's really not by the way true when you try to break it down into uh, kind of a more specific situation for people to go did you know until martin luther no, no, no. Actually, lots of things were happening in church history before Martin Luther. But it's safe to say that the majority of the world at that time that was Christian was was Catholic or either or either that or either or either that or Eastern Orthodox, yeah. right? But yeah. that's so far it, removed it wasn't from considered our, Roman Catholic. Yes, at yes, that yes. Point. From especially from the American context, right? It's basically Catholic. Um, and then all of a sudden, you have uh, the rise of a different way of uh, interpreting Scripture and the authority of Scripture, and then so all of a sudden, you have what is known as Protestantism, which is a response to. Uh, how the authority of the Bible kind of fits into everything. Um, and then after that, it really kind of splintered in a number of different directions, and there became um, different denominations that just kept, uh, and I think it's fair to even use this word. I don't mean it necessarily negatively, but it has a negative connotation to it. They split, and then they split, and then they split, and then they split, and then they split. So our history literally comes from somebody in Scotland who was an old light anti-burger seceder Presbyterian which was very, very different than a new light, you know, and you kind yeah, of think, yeah. so there's old light, new lights, there's burger, anti-burger, and then there's seceders, non-seceders. So these yeah. are all the different breaks. All which are poor, uh, part of Presbyterianism, which isn't Methodism, yes. which isn't, you know And it's I mean? a Presbyterianism yeah. within Scotland. Yeah, Like, yeah. it's not Presbyterianism. It's Scottish Presbyterian. It's, it's Scottish Calvin Presbyterian. Anymore. Yeah. Um, and so you have all of these, all of these breaks that exist, and everybody thinks that they're breaking for a good reason. And they're not even, none of those are really even, necessarily it's necessarily like doctrinal issues right it has to do with whether or not the mayor of the city should have the authority to appoint the pastor which the text 
I, I, we could say it it kind of implies it, but nowhere does Paul say, by the way, the mayor should or should not have. I mean, it's just not directly there, right? Yeah. So then all of a sudden, a group of individuals wake up in Scotland and even in America, and they ask questions like, why are all these divisions existing, which is a common question that we're still asking. And so really a lot of our roots come from a group of men very similar to what Luther said, why don't we just let the Bible speak for itself? And so they, the Bible doesn't talk about all these denominations. The Bible doesn't talk about all these different creeds. The Bible doesn't talk about, let's just go back to the Bible, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what they did. And it really, in some sense, caught on, and in some sense, kind of caught the hot breath of uh, other churches yeah. who considered them to be renegades and considered them to become a law to themselves. Mm-hmm. So it, it literally was a deep desire to, to allow the Bible, even more than, than, than Luther himself, even more than Calvin, to let the Bible speak for itself. And that mm-hmm. comes with a lot of presuppositions, and it, it comes with something that I mostly strongly agree with, mm-hmm. but I think it's got some pitfalls as well. Yeah. Well, let's, I want to talk a little bit about the mostly strongly. I mean, all three of us have chosen to work and do ministry yep. in a non-denominational church, yep. um, even though, like I said, uh, kind of associated with, with some other churches through the Restoration Movement. But we've chosen to work in an independent Christian church, mm-hmm. which essentially means there is no there is no authority structure over us. We're not uh, deeply connected to other churches with yep. a bishop overseeing us or something like that. Yep. Yep. There's the, the, the authority all exists within the local body here. It's yes. the eldership and the staff of this local body. That's where all the authority is. There's Literally no in our org chart, it has like God. Yeah. <laughs> and then underneath God, it has the elders. Okay. And then and we would say what mediates that is the Holy Spirit and, yes. and the word of God. But literally yeah. God is on our org chart. If you want to come <laughs> see it, you can take a look <laughs> at it. But great. it's but it's literally God elders. Okay. Yep. So. Which is not, I mean, there's a uh, other, other like the Methodist church or yes. the Presbyterian church, they might have God, but they're going to have a number of little yes. steps in between that before in you the local get church. to the yeah. local church. Yeah. 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 Um, whereas we have the autonomy of the local. That's a big thing for us. Autonomous local churches was yeah. a big part of the independent Christian church movement. Yeah. Self-governing. Yes. And we've all, I mean, at least two of us have been raised in that, Jim yeah. and I. And then Ryan has ended up uh, working in that. We've all chose to stay in that. So, so tell me why. Why? What is the upside to what were uh, what, you know the yeah. people who started the restoration movement and, and today? What, like, what is the the pro the pros of uh, having a non denominational church structure? Um, I so like you said, I came to this as an adult. Um, I was raised in a Southern Baptist church. Um, I wasn't necessarily a believer at the time, but I was raised in the Southern Baptist <laughs> world. Um, when your grandpa's a preacher, yeah. you don't get many options. Um, so that was that's what I was familiar with. And then when um, when Rachel and I first got married, uh, while while we were engaged, I would drive down to Oklahoma City and go to church with her at the church she was interning at. Um, and then we got married, and we we tried out several churches here in Stillwater when she moved up here. Um, and then when we came here, one of the um, just and and it, it, this is like god ordained because it's not like i was looking for this it's sure. just it just felt right that wow like the bible seems to kind of call all the shots around here mm. it just like there was such a biblical primacy and obsession here 
Um, and so I didn't know how church governance worked at that time. I didn't know any of the restoration distinctives. I was just drawn to hmm. the scriptures are held out as a, a clearly authoritative and something that we are going to turn to uh, for just about everything. Yeah. And so that's that's what drew me here. And so I, I started attending here in 2007. Um, and then I started to work here in 2013. So this that's kind of my whole yeah. Christian church world is all in here. See, it's interesting. That's my dad's conversion story, is that he was really converted, not just to Christ, but he was converted in a context where the Word of God was what they used to convert him. Mm -hmm. And so how much my dad, my dad describes it in a very similar way. I don't know if I was looking for it, but man, I just, I loved, uh, it ended up being a Restoration Church of Christ church, but it was just, let's sit down and read the Bible together. Let's sit down and look at the Bible, and now let's just go do what it says. And my dad talks about how much that just deeply drew him in yeah to everything so yeah. it's it's when you talk it's it's very yeah. similar to and, my and it's it's interesting now like i'm i'm very um i guess i would call myself sympathetic to mm-hmm. other denominations and what they have um going right for them and yet it's like i'm so rooted in in this this restoration movement world that I just want to steal what's good from them. I don't want to yeah, go yeah. over to that side, <laughs> yeah. you know. Okay, so so you you you've mentioned here this like that in the de, in a non-denominational church, there's there's a little bit of a freedom to let the Bible just kind of set the sure. set the pace, set sure. the direction, rather than any sort of denominational directives yeah. or the say. Uh, agenda of a particular bishop or overseer, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. That has something. It's literally well, let's let's just do what this is saying. That's at least the ideal of yep. what that is. Like, what else? What else do you? What else do you see as, see as a strength of non denominational churches? Um, I would say, uh, you know, and again, there's there's uh, there's the other side of the coin on this, right? Sure. But I, I would say that there can be, uh, in that sense, a celebration of as we respond to the unique distinctives that the Holy Spirit and the reading of the Word kind of brings to the table. So um, Ryan, a little bit, has seen over the last number of, what do you say, how many years have you been here now on staff? Uh, almost nine, almost nine years. But Drew, you you remember, you know, you you and I go back over twenty years, and I think you could even see me change in some of my views, um, uh, becoming what, what what we joke around here as as more say sympathetic to Calvinistic ideas, and I would say the freedom that we actually yeah. have to do that, and and what leads us in that direction, I always hope is the is the Bible, mm-hmm. um, and so I actually don't feel like I. I feel like I can go anywhere I'm led to go by the spirit and by the word and, and in the context of other community, I think you guys can kind of hold me in check, but I literally feel like in that sense, like the Bible is my oyster that I can look in and delve in and, and, and I feel free to, to, to test ideas or thoughts. Um, I feel free to disagree with even our founders of this movement. I feel free to disagree with Alexander Campbell. And I think that's a positive. I just think it's a, I mean, I'm literally getting goosebumps as I think about it. Like it just says to me, it, it seems to be what almost the, the, the New Testament letters yeah. seem to be accentuating. Yeah. Um, I think I can just sit in that and go, 
boy, I can really preach this text from Corinthians about not judging one another's work. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I, I feel like I feel like it's alive. And I feel like uh, in that sense, when I, so when I say freedom, let me say this. I really don't mean the kind of freedom where I get to do what I want, but the kind of freedom where I feel like I'm actually connected to the spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I, the, the that image that's coming into my mind is kind of like the difference between like a new like tech startup or a giant long established yeah. company when yeah. like when somebody sets a franchise down yep. somewhere and yep. it's established it's like the tech startup has like an agility yeah. and yep. the ability to to respond yeah. to the market yep. or to yeah. respond to whatever and kind of make quicker decisions yep. when it's autonomous and it's just this these guys here yep. making yeah. this decision um whereas like the big kind of behemoth companies they they may have some yeah. stability and strength behind them but they're slow to turn those yep. things yeah well and i love and, that our elders they lead us as part of us, like they, they're part of our fellowship and they, so they even understand the needs of this fellowship better than some synod or some bishop who lives in, you know, our bishop would probably be Oklahoma city or Dallas yeah. or something, yeah. the diocese of Dallas, if we were in another tradition. And it's like, what do you know about Stillwater? But I, I know and love and trust the men that lead this church because they're part of us. Yeah. And, and because they're just, trustworthy. But. Well, and it's not just like, what do you know about Stillwater? But like, what do you know about Ryan Vincent? Yeah. yeah. What do you, it's like little people, people and yeah. lives and stuff in the thing. You know, who, what do you know about Amy Moss, my wife and, and yeah. my kids and those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And I love that, like the people who are making decisions and following, we're not responding to the market. We're hopefully responding to the spirit. Yes. We're responding to those kinds yes. of things. Right. Yes. But that those people aren't, aren't making decisions from 200 miles away. They're, yeah. they're people who know my kids and they're people who know and, and see the, the strengths and weaknesses of my family and the needs that we have and those kinds of I, things. I mean, I, I truly, like, I, I never feel, I, I know there could be implications, but I, as I'm studying the scripture, and not only do I actually believe, like, I have the freedom, I actually believe that if that's actually true in the scriptures, like, I actually believe I could convince you it's true. Like, if it really is true, I really believe I could convince you it's true. And I think I can convince you it's true. I think I can convince Steve it's true. I think I could convince our elders that it's true. Like, let's just go to the text. Like, Mm -hmm. you either tell me I'm wrong or else I think we're going to have to start doing this or believing this. Um, And I actually believe that as well. Um, I even believe that about our congregation. I uh, so it's weird because I don't even know if I've ever connected these dots per se. But right here thinking about this. That's a huge positive for me. Yeah. And I guarantee you, somebody's listening to this and going, dude, it's a little more complicated than that. No, I get it. Yeah. But that doesn't deny the genuine freedom we have to respond to the Spirit, to admit, I don't think I was saying that right, understanding that right, or doing that right. I think I'm understanding, saying, and doing that better now than I was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I don't think that only happens in non-denominational churches. I think there's more freedom and room for us yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah. You can see, uh, you can see why not not that uh, not that strong growth is the marker of the health of a church or whatever. Obviously, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what yeah. we we would say with uh, Lakewood Bi- Lakewood Church with you know with that we we wouldn't consider that super healthy necessarily. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. but you can see why churches like that can have the ability to have like really explosive growth in a lot of ways because they have, they have the ability to kind of adjust and move and direct things as they needed to be directed in that particular context and culture and all that stuff. Um, But there are, I mean, you guys have already alluded to it several times. You've said (laughs) things like the other side of the coin or it's a little more complicated than that. There are a number of complications that come with this stuff. Um, 
you know, the, a lot of people are talking right now, again, about the Mars Hill thing. And Mars Hill is a great example of a church that just took off and was really able to respond to things that were happening in the culture. And, and, and I hope to some degree the leading of the spirit yep. and do some really cool things, but, but also an example of something that could fall apart really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, I mean, and, and we know of a number of churches, even in our own movement yeah. um, in yep. this state and in others that are struggling a lot. And, and probably some of it has to do with the fact that there's no denominational structure. Yep. So, yep. Yep. so describe for me, what is, what, what's the downside? What are some of the, the dangers of a non-denominational church setting? Well, I'll say it like this. One of the positives of a denomination is when you get things right, you have a lot of people and a lot of resources pulling in the same direction. And you don't have to always learn everything afresh. And and our movement specifically, there are other non-denominational movements, but our version of non-denominationalism has had a historical skepticism to how churches have operated yep. in the past such that they will just they'll, they'll almost take the the blank slate concept of interpretation and apply it to everything to everything (laughs) and it's like we're going to start over completely and and everything is a fresh uh okay how do we do church well let's go look at acts and it's like and it can just take you so long to sort things out (laughs) and you have to imagine there's some lutherans over here like yeah we we've known that for a long time and that's why we don't do that that's yeah exactly (laughs) and so um an example a recent example here has been um, we we wrote a, a little book known as it's known as a catechism, and it's just a, a very introductory. Were we the first church in the history of the world to do such a thing, Ryan? We weren't. Well, it's, it's been funny, <laughs> like hearing people say, "This is awesome. Thank you for doing this. This is such a great idea." And it's that this is a great idea part that I start to giggle because I'm like, "Yeah." Augustine did this 1,600 <laughs> years ago, and pretty much everybody else has. Luther wrote one for his people. And uh, and the funny thing is, one of the I, I found a quote reading a document written by one of the founding guys of our movement that said, we need to do two things uh, as we set out on, as we leave uh, Denominationalism. Yeah. It's like, we need to write a catechism, and, and we need to start a newspaper, a periodical. And that, those were his two things. And we never did it. <laughs> We did. Oh, we did the periodical. We did, I was going to say, we, we did the, the periodical. Newspaper. We got the newspaper down. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, so there is, you mentioned even just like there's a lot of a lot of resources, a lot of history to pull yeah. from, a lot of those kinds of things where instead of trying to just create it all from scratch, and instead of trying to, okay, what else? Give me. I think there can be, it's interesting because I, I, I didn't know this world necessarily existed, um, but uh, the doctoral program that I'm in is through an Anglican school in Pennsylvania. And it's interesting to listen to them speak. I literally feel like I am in like a spiritual foster home. Um, and everyone else in the classroom are Anglicans from around the world. Like literally, we've got Anglicans from in my last class from from Kenya and from Brazil and from Colombia. And uh, so all these different places. And yet they were all family. And I just felt like I was I was there. But yeah. I was I was literally and they, it's not that they didn't treat me nice or treat me kindly. 
there was a camaraderie, there yeah, was a yeah. shared history, there was just something that made me feel somewhat detached. They mm-hmm. talk to each other like we talk to like Ozark professors because they're <laughs> at like a, a we know what kind of church Michael DeFazio is at, and so we have a brotherhood that in my case I never went to school with him and I never taught him but he and I have a relationship because of our church context they have that globally they have that globally and I and I think that's the part that I I think we have to try to do that more Mm. Um, and it is it's because think about what they share they share a same worship experience they share from us from the same book yes and that is deeply 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 historical and I thought it was so fascinating to me because I was I was talking to uh, to one of the one of the people in my last class from Africa, and he doesn't consider like their liturgy, which was shaped actually in England uh, in the 1600s. He doesn't consider it to be necessarily like even white or Western. It's just their tradition, mm-hmm. and it's his tradition, mm-hmm. and it, it brings them together. In in a sense, you know, again, somebody would call that like imperialistic or colonialistic, but actually, it's they they don't talk like that. And you can say they're confused or they're whatever, but I'm going okay. There is something that is uniting mm-hmm. in, in this that kind of transcends some 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 cultures, mm-hmm. and so there are liturgies that do bring us together. Yeah. And and I th- I think sometimes. Um, just our lack of that, our freedom can just kind of leave us yeah. somewhat detached and somewhat isolated. And again, I never really noticed it until I found other people and I just felt like I was somewhat um, misstepped with, mm-hmm. with everything. Mm-hmm. And I just, when I looked at that, I kind of, uh, this is pretty typical for me, I kind of wished I was in their group. <laughs> I wished I belonged. It, I didn't feel like I, I had something awesome. I felt like I was missing something. Yeah. Um, so again... Yeah. That was that was something. Another thing that we hear when we're there hanging out with our denominational friends is we'll hear like the uh, uh, I won't call it rumors or gossip, but we'll hear the 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 family business when they talk about, you know, there's just this this bishop on this East Coast diocese. He's he's gone off the rails. He has an agenda and he is running roughshod over all of these churches and they're just kind of suffering under his leadership. And you hear that. But then you'll hear. But there's this stud over in this diocese who is like giving, like breathing life into this large region of churches. And so it's almost like we, I, I describe it as when you have a good set of elders like we do, things are great. And when you have a bad set of elders, the church will be miserable. Their elders are almost like regional elders. Yeah. And so it's like it, their influence is scaled up. And so when it's it's bad, it's really bad. And when it's good, it can be really good. Yeah. And so I think that is there. There is a sense in which, uh, you know, you were talking a minute ago about how our elders, because they know us, can respond. I think that's awesome. Um, there can also be some wisdom from somebody who is uh, not detached emotionally, but is somewhat not attached that can say, hey, can I give you some wisdom and some insight? Uh, can I give you a perspective that you can't see in Stillwater? Uh, I'm from Oklahoma City, and I'm just I'm, I'm looking a little bit further down the road than you are. And so, can I give you some some warnings? Mm-hmm. So the fact that we are so independent and we are we can we can respond, we can also make knee jerk reactions that can get us off course, we can go off the rails, we can go much off the faster. rails much faster. Yeah, right. And so, yeah. yeah, I think that can be another side of it to have that extra level of insight. Um, uh, is 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 really really critical. I'll tell you one one area where I think we are very much like uh, denominational uh, streams. I guess you could say is uh, I, I think of say the Anglicans or the Lutherans or the Presbyterians. 
what they have is they have a, a very strong network of pastoral training, whether they're Bible colleges or seminaries. They 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 pool their resources and they can they can staff their their churches with with people that are educated in their world. That is one of the the odd areas where we're a lot like that. We have the the the, the restoration movement um, focuses more on the Bible college side, but there are seminaries. But it's like we we have a strong emphasis on ministry training yep. and and yep. specifically training pastors yep. and so and they're always interested whenever they find it surprising when i say yeah we actually do that too yeah i want to i want to step back for just a second even to you know what you just talked about about the ability to go off the rails i think what i've seen Actually, I'd, you know, I'd love to hear, without without naming churches or naming names, if you can even sure. see specific instances, I think sure. some of the things I've seen is that um, if you, when it's, when all the autonomy and all the authority yeah. lies in a local body, if you do not have, and it lies in the local leaders, all it takes is like two or three not good leaders mm-hmm. um, or just a lack of maturity in that yeah. group yeah. to really quickly either take people doctrinally off the rails In the independent Christian church, that seems to happen less, I think, but missionally off the rails. When you've Mm. got when you've got leaders who are not real committed to or convinced about reaching out and making disciples and more about kind of protecting what we got here. um, I think I think that 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 seems to be something that has played out in some churches that I know of. You know what I mean? That that really, really struggled with those things. And and. there's just not a safety net for that church. No. There's nothing else. Like yep. if, if that happens, if there's not strong elders, or if you just have one really strong minister yeah. in churches that are not maybe run by elders yep. so much, yep. they're yep. more like congregational voting or something like that. Yep. I mean, yep. one one man, one woman can, can pull the whole thing, which can sometimes do some really cool things, but can a lot of times lead to some really bad things. Yeah. Right? Now, if you really think about it, like, so who's in charge around here? I think we did a thing as Jim the Boss at yeah. Sunnybrook. We yeah. did a podcast on that. Um, and I think it's even good for us to, to, to realize is that that's why, you know, without, without just defaulting quickly to the statement, well, the Holy Spirit's the one that's governing it all, which I hope is, well, no, I think it is true. Um, uh, to try to think, but where does where does that ultimately rest, and where does that ultimately you know find its its uh, uh, its final authority? Um, it is it is it is a safety net for denominations. When I hear about a struggling church in a part of Oklahoma who the pastor left, and now there's some guy who is working at the IGA, he's the manager there, uh, he's also trying to run the youth program, and he's calling me, going, "Hey, we're trying to find a pastor here," and I just I was on the phone with a gentleman from another part of Oklahoma. And uh, they're 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 a small church, they're a struggling church, but they really love the Lord, and they need help. And can you send anybody, or is there any? And I'm thinking, I I, I don't know who to send. I don't know. So what is it? What is this again? And and I I really felt for this guy. We've had a number of conversations over the last few the last few years, and they still haven't found anybody that wants to go and to be a part of that church. Um, and so when I pray about them, I just think to myself, wow, like this is just regular people that are just trying to figure out how to do this. And and by the way, they're doing it. So I'm not, I'm not feeling sorry for them per se, but I'm recognizing mm-hmm. how could we, you know, in essence, do a better job. Yeah. And and a denomination offers a level of possible care. Yeah. That would assist them. And and right now this 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 guy's doing everything that he can and his leadership is doing everything that they can. Um and and the church is struggling right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is why 
this is why some denomination, some some non-denominational churches grow, is because people leave those struggling churches yep. and go to the ones yeah. that are that are getting it for yeah. the most part. Um, and and again, I don't think that's that's actually not growth. A lot of those people that are attending those huge churches actually weren't probably converted there, but yeah. they it's it Free becomes agency. yeah, it literally becomes the the way that they have created. They're the Lakers of this year, I guess. I I'm yeah. not following basketball, but yeah. I hear they're buying a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I don't even I don't even mean that negatively. It just kind of happens just naturally, yeah. um, and that's where a lot of these mega churches come from. It's not like wow, their evangelism program has really brought a lot to Christ. It's they have learned how to do ministry really, really well, and they are attracting all the people from those smaller churches, yeah. and and they're pulling them in there. So yeah, uh, so I don't think that we. I mean, no, I I think I can probably say it pretty confidently. We we have no <laughs> plans to ever become affiliated with a denomination or be its own thing. We really do value a lot of the principles of this this church autonomy and and the independent Christian church. But uh, I'll ask you a question that might be a little out of if if you were like if you were starting over at the beginning of say the restoration movement or maybe even just the beginning of Sunnybrook, would you change anything? Would you do about anything different? Either being about, or not being in not necessarily being but about church structure or huh. about the way the about I mean would you would you try to tie us more to historical things would you try to set up some other measure of yeah. of umbrella or safety net however you want to describe it of oversight over the church uh, when it comes to a bunch of independent Christian churches just kind of springing up everywhere yeah, yeah, and yeah, doing yeah. their thing without very much oversight like would you would you do it different or wow. would you just go it's worth the risks. This is just, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I would yeah. just, yeah. Well, uh, you know, t- I was in a call last night with, with Jay Greer, who is one of our, uh, one of the missionaries that we support who's doing work in Tokyo. And, and I am right now one of the elders of mm-hmm. the church in Tokyo. And uh, the reason why is because they don't have uh, trained elders in that particular location. And so there's a group of uh, four of us from across the United States who are pastors of other churches that Jay trusts. And so we were helping them navigate some things. Uh, We were helping them decide whether or not uh, they should partner um, with another organization as they're trying to find a space. We were talking to them about their staffing situation. Um, And I thought that was really interesting. So even your question about would I do it differently, um, I would say I don't think I would do anything differently because I, I, I still don't know how I would get around the idea that it seems that in the Bible, the Apostle Paul went to places and started churches and appointed elders in each of these locations, and he sent Timothy to do the same. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we need to do it because they did it that way. But I think that, um, so that, 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 by the way, is, has been kind of our historical yeah. premise, right? Yeah. We're just following the example of the Bible. Well, sure, but we're not following um, what the followers of Paul five generations after that did. We're, we're deciding to follow Paul and then stop, which is a choice that we decide to make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still think it's the best of all possible options. Mm-hmm. And in part because I want to go back and describe and pull people into um, the way the first Christians did it. Mm-hmm. I just think that's the best way to do it. But I always want to be able to be uh, open to ways that we can learn from our denominational brothers and sisters in Christ and say, listen, let's not pretend that our way is the only way, because I don't think it is. I think our way is the best way. I see the positives. If there is anything that we could learn from our brothers and sisters in terms of the common book of prayer or the book of common prayer that they're using or the, their, their, uh, their ways of, uh, of, uh, of kind of having more of a consistent liturgy, um, I, I think we need to submit to that. But I don't think I would change I don't think I would change anything. Yeah. I don't think I would change anything about the restoration 
ideals and the structure of the churches. I think I would, um, I would probably fight against some of the anti or like kind of the, the throwing away of, of history and tradition. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's something that you can, you can hold on to that is the, that are the traditions of the church that are not necessarily denominational specific. And so I don't need to be, I don't if, if I'm in the 19th century American frontier, I don't have to stay a Presbyterian, but I can still hold on to a lot of the, the treasures of the church. And so I've always found it a bit presumptuous and it, it happens in our world. Um, this idea that just everyone should be able to go to the text and understand it for themselves. And I'm like, yeah, actually I know a lot of people who would do a terrible job with that. So why don't we read Augustine and why don't we, and not because Augustine is the authority, but because he's a, he is part of like God's gift to the church. He's, he's in this stream of yeah. witnesses. Yeah. And so, uh, like you said, I don't, I've never understood why we just, you know, there's Paul and there's Timothy and then everything else after that is totally not <laughs> worth looking at. Sure. And I'm like, maybe we just rank them differently. Like Paul and Timothy can be up here and then Augustine can be down here. So it, yeah, I wouldn't change anything about the structure. More about the the ethos of the movement. Yeah. That I, I didn't like kind of the the clean. The, you know, we're going to start over fresh type yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, and one one thing I want to add to this is um, I remember talking to a mutual friend of ours uh, who was working with the church, and he said, you know, they really want me to consider to be their pastor, um, and so, uh, but they came off of a split from another church, and I'm a little concerned about that, you know, because I definitely don't want to be divisive, and I definitely don't want to be. And then what I found so interesting is as he continued to work with them and work with them and work with them, he found out that there was actually something in their spirit of splitting off that they never really let go of. And they were more prone to split again. <laughs> and, you know, and so on the one hand, he really wanted to come in and try to help them. Okay, yeah, you guys made a good decision to split. Um, so now we're unified. And what he actually found out was that in that collection of people who split, and, I, you know, again, I'll just let's assume for a good reason. They're actually more prone to split again. And they'll even tell you for a good reason. Yeah. So here's the dark side. We are an independent Christian church and we are independent and we get to independently decide what we want. And if you hear me talk, I complain a lot about our independent spirit and about the fact that we have an individualistic understanding of the scriptures and an individualized, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, no, you want to hang out with independent people who are glad that we get to decide. It's like this repeats itself. Mm -hmm. And so my biggest frustration, even with myself, is that um, I can complain all I want about individualism and independentism, but in the end, that's kind of what we have to deal with because there are people here because you know what I like about this church? We get to decide what we want. And I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. And then they go, hey, by the way, Jim, this is what I think we now want. And I'm like, well, no, now we're supposed to. And they're like, no, I love that independent spirit. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, okay, I hate it in you. It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of baked into the DNA. It is. A little bit. And that's, I mean, I got to think, I, I didn't do it last day, but I got to think that non-denominational churches do better in America than most other places in the yep. world, partly yeah. because it's just kind of part of our DNA and our culture to kind of like call our own shots and not be told by others what to do and that kind of stuff. So Mackenzie, so. who's planting in Poland, I love to tell my Catholic friends because there's no churches over there. Because, <laughs> you know, they're 96% Catholic. <laughs> 
And it's just kind of like, what, what, what do you mean there's no churches in Poland? It's already a Christianized nation. Um, so, yeah, but and if even if you talk to a lot of people in the evangelical slash independent Christian church world, when we say there's not a lot of Christians over there, what we mean is non-denominational Christians. Mm-hmm. We usually don't mean Eastern Orthodox. We usually don't mean Catholic, even though I don't I think we believe they're Christians. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So we're, we're not trying to make this kind of blanket statement, but it's 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 definitely it's definitely true. So that's another side to that that I feel like the Lord has said, hey, you really love the independent yeah. spirit? Well, then you get independent people and all the struggles that comes with leading independent people. Um, well, guys, I, I appreciate the thoughts. I know, I mean, I, I'm grateful for the church I grew up in. I, I'm grateful for the independent Christian yep, church. I'm grateful for the elders over it. Um, I'm also grateful for the uh, the s- slow opening of my eyes over the last 10 years that God has kind of revealed to me that maybe we don't have it all figured out. And the Amen. and the humility that comes with being able to acknowledge <laughs> God's goodness and faithfulness through good? other streams and other denominations and all Check those kinds of things. But, if you got questions, if uh, if you're maybe coming to Sunnybrook out of a different background or something like that, then man, we'd always we'd love to be able to talk to you about kind of why we why we do things the way we do them here and and what our kind of heart and mindset is in those things. But uh, we're a what? That's what? that's what they're thinking. We're a what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you yeah if you if you've never even heard the term <laughs> independent Christian church and you've been here for ten years yes. um, and you want to know about it, then uh, come talk to us. Did about you know it. that Anglicans probably call you a Campbellite? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they still exactly. use that term. They still use that term. All right, love you guys. See you later.